Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where I hope that you'll gain both the tools you need to grow your business and the motivation you need to create your dream life. I'm Haley Luckadoo, motivational speaker, serial entrepreneur, huge lover of Dr. Pepper, and of course, the host who will be introducing you to the phenomenal women sharing their stories and expertise to inspire you, help you succeed, and set your soul on fire. If one of your goals for 2020 is to rock your email marketing, then girl, I've got just the thing. Email marketing used to be a pain point for me because I have tried every platform out there. Now I use Flowdesk, a new platform that is changing the email marketing game. I could tell you a thousand reasons why I'm obsessed with Flowdesk, but you'll have to see for yourself. You will fall in love with the beautiful templates, easy to use interface, and having unlimited everything. That's right. If you get on board right now, you get unlimited subscribers, emails, workflows, and forms for life. And the best part, if you enter code Haley, you get all of this for only $19 a month. Again, for life. Seriously, just enter code H-A-Y-L-E-Y and you'll lock in a $19 a month subscription for an unlimited amount of everything Flowdesk has to offer for life. That's an unbeatable deal for your business and your peace of mind. 2020 is the year to change your email marketing. So head to Flowdesk, enter code Haley, and make it your best year in business yet. Welcome back, ladies. I'm so freaking excited. I can't even explain how excited I am for this episode because I become friends with several of our guests, but it's usually after the interview and it is not often that I get to interview somebody who is already a friend of mine on the show. So I am so, so, so excited for this episode because I am chatting with my very dear friend, Lisa Hyde. And if you follow me on Instagram or you've been around for a while, then her name might sound familiar because I was on her podcast a few months back. And so now I've got her on Females on Fire and I am so freaking excited to get to share this conversation with you because we are goofy and silly and weird and just chat like we are the oldest best friends ever um, because that's just, that's who we are and we have a great relationship and I'm so excited um, to get to bring this conversation to you. But to give you a little background on Lisa, other than being a very good friend of mine, she is a former talent agent turned life and business coach. And she helps women really find the confidence that they need to really build lives that they truly deserve. And she had a 12 year career in talent management and now is really living out her dreams as the CEO of the confidence crown, where she inspires women to really make the most of their lives and their businesses. And she is a business owner. She is an author. She is a podcaster and just an all around amazing person. And today we are going to talk all about 
confidence and how you can build more of it and just a really natural conversation about learning to love who you are. So I am so excited to introduce you to Lisa and hope that you love her as much as I do. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my God, Haley, it's so exciting to be back on the air with you. Yay! I know. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you listening, um, if you don't know, I was on Lisa's podcast, The Confidence Crown, uh, a couple months back, and it was amazing. So after you get done listening to this, you should absolutely go listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, but we had so much fun. So I'm so excited to have you back and just get to chat with you again. I'm thrilled to be here. I love, love, love what you're doing. So thank you so much for including me. Yes, back at you. So before we dive in to our very fun conversation, can you just tell everybody a little bit about you and your background and what you're doing now? Okay. Are you ready for it? <laughs> I'm so ready. I'm so here for it. <laughs> um, all right. So guys, um, I'll trade long story short here. I have a varied background because I'm a little bit older than you guys. So I've had a few careers prior to the current one. Um, I actually grew up in Los Angeles where I still live. Um, and I was a talent agent and manager for 12 years. That means that I represented actors, writers, musicians, comedians, basically all the guys who are in late night now were my clients, <laughs> plus a bunch of others. But those are the, those are, those are the guys I know you would know. Um, and then I loved it. I did it for 12 years. This was my dream job. This is what I always wanted to do and what I was focused on. And um, while it was very, very stressful and very difficult, um, not a, well, sometimes fun, but not really. It was a very hard career, very similar to watching people work on the stock market. So it's very high pace, very cutthroat, and not very nice, if that makes sense. Um, but lots and lots of fun and big highs and big lows. And I was just doing my thing when my mom became ill and I had to close my management company and actually become her full-time caregiver. And it was both um, heart-stopping and just crushing in so many ways because one, she was my best friend. And so the fact that she was this sick and that I was going to have to switch gears to take care of her was just so disheartening. Um, and also kind of looking back, it was this moment where I had to make a huge decision in my life. It was, and it wasn't really a big decision. It was always my mom, but you know, give up, give up on that first dream. And um, it took me a few years for it to really sink in that I wasn't going to be able to go back to that, that I had to pivot. I had to change careers. And while I was taking care of her, um, I did high-end retail, which is how I had actually paid my way through college. So it was something that was familiar to me, not very difficult and something that I could do in what I called quote unquote bankers hours so that I would have plenty of time to dedicate to her. Um, but after five years, uh, unfortunately she passed away and I had no passion. I was in a job, really like a J-O-B that I hated and didn't have any type of creative outlet or interest in what I was doing. And an odd thing happens after you have a huge loss, but your ability to have patience for the mundane, for the superficial is gone. So having very superficial conversations with customers about what clothing they should wear for this trip that they're taking was like I, literally metal being jabbed under your fingernails. Like it was so painful to have to have these very, very superficial conversations that 
I started to wonder like, what the heck am I going to do with myself? And I was dating a doctor at the time who suggested I go into healthcare. This was also when the market was turning. This was, oh, so guys, I've been through the last recession. So 2008, when the market was crumbling and the housing market was flopping and nobody's careers were safe, um, I walked out of my retail job and I walked into a school. I went back to school and I got a degree in healthcare, which if you have any knowledge of right brain, left brain worlds, going from arts into science and math, your brain doesn't quite calculate what's happening. Not and at all. It was a little overwhelming. My first class was physics. So anyone who knows or taken a physics class understands there's nothing anybody who studies art and entertainment would understand. It was overwhelming. Um, but my second time through school, um, I did really well. And I didn't like it but I was a much better student this time. And I was in the tail end of this two-year program where you're actually in the hospital doing, you know, basically you're on the job, right? But you're deciding, <laughs> one, do you want it? And two, are you going to be any good at it? And I'm cooking along and I'm just like, oh, just need to get through the school part. I'll take the job. And basically it's like a two-year commitment and then I can do something else but it was going to give me some security which nothing else in my life was secure at that time and then my grandmother became sick and I was a caregiver again so this was a double whammy I was doing something I didn't have passion for again and I was going through another huge loss so I took stock in myself and I was having panic attacks and I couldn't really tell anyone that I just spent $42,000 going back to school and I hated this new career I was about to start and what could I possibly do? And oddly, a stranger on LinkedIn found me, told me about a home business, direct sales, which I laughed in her face. Guys, I was a total skeptic. Um, but she talked to me about it in a way that I could set it up as a hobby. That was the magic word. I was like, hobby? Hobby, I can do a hobby. I'm going to need a hobby because <laughs> this career is going to be horrible. I need something fun on the weekends. I really feel like it's similar to what we're doing right now. People are looking for something to do because they're trapped at home. That's how I felt, yep. trapped at a hospital, like 24-7. And I was like, I need a hobby. I need something to do. And I did. I just started, literally, with no knowledge, no education in it, no background, nothing, nothing. but being open, being coachable, and saying, okay, teach me how this works. And it works. My skin changed dramatically in three weeks. Uh, nurses at the hospital were cornering me to find out what I was doing. I shared about the product. They purchased the product. People referred me to their friends. They bought the product. Then I got a team member. All of a sudden, I was in business. I wasn't even trying. I was just sharing what was working. And I'm telling you all of this because I fell into what I do now. This was not a plan. This was not a, a big life goal. This was me always being a caretaker for others, always being somebody who enjoyed helping others succeed and just finding another way to do it. I didn't know it was direct sales, but I'm thankful for it because that step into direct sales opened a whole door into a world of personal development that I would have never, well, maybe not never, but I definitely wouldn't be looking at or wasn't ready to look at even back then. So this is 10 years ago. And I, 
I couldn't understand why they kept dropping um, personal development books in my lap and giving earning, earning classes with coaches. Who needs a coach for a direct sales business? None of it made sense in the first year, but I just kept receiving. So I'd earn a coaching program or a class with somebody and I would be like, all right, and I did it. And I would see some more success in my business. And it started to make sense to me. You can't be successful in business unless you take care of what's going on inside. Because any limiting belief you have, anything that is holding you back from believing in what you're doing, it's like a mirror into the public. So if you don't believe in your product or your service or what you're charging people, you ain't going to be successful. So it was this great, great, great opportunity to have a personal development with a paycheck. <laughs> so, Preach it, girl. I mean, Preach really, it. <laughs> it's like this wild, like unknown. Because when I was 21, 22, 23, 23, Tony Robbins was a client at the agency I worked at. And I thought he was crazy. Legit. Legit. <laughs> he was giant and happy and too happy for the environment that I was working in. Because in the early 90s, life was really dark. Again, we're talking about um, um, kind of like tip of the recession. There was some stuff happening already. Very cutthroat, very dark. Think of Wall Street. Um, think of <laughs> um, just movies where you see very greedy people around you being very vicious. This was my life 24-7. So how is this giant happy man? And I keep saying giant because I'm very small. So he was just like this big, oversized, happy guy. And I was like, this is BS. So Tony is someone I avoided. And here I am almost 30 years later. And now I work with Tony and Dean Graziosi. <laughs> because And you're doing amazing things. Thank you. But it was this whole path of taking the time to learn about me when I started this direct sales business and realizing my gift of helping other people succeed also required me to help myself succeed. And so learning, you know, my strengths, my weaknesses, and what I could give to other people so that they could flourish was also going to be really self-serving for me in a positive way. Like I love to serve. I love to help other people. It does bring me a great amount of joy. And about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago. Yep. I think it's three years ago. I started a podcast, but it was based on the fact that I had been interviewed on one and I loved the medium. And I thought, Oh, this is really cool. You can talk to people and not have to be on camera. <laughs> I hated being on camera. Um, <laughs> so I did this and I, and I loved it. And I loved it as another way to talk to people who I saw were stuck because a lot of the women in the business that I had were stuck. They were letting their own limiting beliefs get in the way of their success. And I thought, oh, I got to cut through this. I got to help more people. It can't just be my team. There's, there's more people out there who need this. So that's how the confidence crown came to be. And I'm so sorry for the long story, but there is no way no, that I, I love it. gotten here if I hadn't gone through all of those trials and tribulations and failures and, and losses. And it's all what created what I have now. And even writing a book was a challenge from a coach. It was like, I think you should do this now. And I'm like, mm, okay. Like it wasn't on my radar to write a book. It wasn't on my radar to do public speaking. I hated it. Haley, I was petrified of public speaking. 
prior to starting direct sales. Like I forced myself in the first year of direct sales to do public speaking because I realized quickly it was going to be the only way I was going to grow my business. I used to get flop sweat. I used to get tongue tied, a cotton mouth, just every possible fear you can imagine. That was me in front of people like belly to belly, one-on-one. I can talk to anyone, but put me in front of a room and I freak out. It's why I was always behind the scenes. I was like, no, no, I'll push you on stage. I don't need to be there. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Hey Dean. Hey Tony. Can I work for you guys and be on stage? Like, it's weird. Like I I would have never predicted this. I love it though. I, and I mean, you are, you're doing such incredible things. You're working with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and you're a coach and you're an author and you're a podcaster and you've got this massive brand behind you that, you know, I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because obviously you worked long and hard for it, but it came out of nowhere in the sense that, like you said, this is not what you set out to do. This is not anything that was ever on your radar and it's constantly evolving. And I think that's why you and I hit it off so well is that's very much something that I identify with too. I'm very multi-passionate. My business has a lot of different facets and none of them were ever anything I anticipated. That's how my podcast got started. That's how my whole business got started. And you know, you know, my whole story of my failed engagement and being a college dropout overnight, not on purpose and all of those things. And, and so I very much identify with that. And this is why I love podcasting. This is why I love getting to do this show is because everybody's journey into entrepreneurship and into where they are now is so different. And so I love hearing the ones who are like, oh, I grew up knowing I was going to be a business owner. Like, that's so cool to have that and then to follow through on it and to hear their journey of how they did it. But it's also so cool to hear stories like yours where it's like, ha, I went through a thousand different careers and Mm -hmm. pivots and just learning like what it was that I was passionate about and turning that into a career. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. And actually it came full circle this year uh, with Tony and Dean and with um, the knowledge broker blueprint. Um, But it was, it was due to this course that I'd been involved in and then started helping other people through as a coach and a trainer and a speaker. But it, it was this realization that people, particularly in the environment we are right now, are looking for knowledge-based businesses. So right now, companies like, um, let's say Yahoo, but I mean Google and um, Apple and, oh my gosh, give me one more tech name. But Microsoft. These, Microsoft, thank you. These people are not hiring college graduates like they normally did. They are now looking for people who's with specific, specified mm-hmm. knowledge. And it doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter if they have a degree yet. And because they just want people who know how to do X, Y, and Z. And it's this really cool period of, of our life where I, I came from traditional education and it failed me. And to see that the stuff that I've learned these last 10 years, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's taking what you've learned on the job, taking that mentorship type of business and giving it back to the next person so they can go faster and they can do better. And it, the full circle was Tony because when I was at an agency, which was the first part of my entertainment career, um, there, I had to have a BA, I had to have a bachelor's, didn't matter if it was science or art, but you had to have a bachelor's degree to start in the mailroom, which is the lowest rung on the totem pole 
of the business world. You start in the mailroom, it's an actual program, and you work your way up to becoming an agent. And it's very, again, stressful. There's no handout or workbook or class or course, anything. It's true mentorship. You have to find a mentor, you mean you have to find an agent within that business, in your company, who will mentor you. And that is how you learn. You listen in on phone calls, you read scripts, you read contracts, you listen to how people negotiate. There was no class. And so I laughed because when we were talking about KBB and the, and the way that it helps people, I was like, yeah, I did this 30 years ago. There's no way I could have been an agent if I hadn't had a mentorship. There's, there's no way I could have learned that career. And in fact, what I learned being in an agency is I hated it. I loved talent and I loved being a manager, which gave me the ability to also be a producer for them. So that's when I started my own business. And so that was my first business in my twenties. I worked out of my house with a management company repping actors, writers, and musicians. Um, the agency side, which is what I thought as a child that I always wanted to do, I didn't like it so much, but I still couldn't have done any of this without a mentor. Right. And, and that mentor taught me how to go faster, smarter, quicker, stronger, <laughs> so that I could be things. successful. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing this now. And that's what blows me away because again, Tony was someone I avoided like the plague. And now <laughs> I'm like, and here we are talking about it full circle. Like if it hadn't been for what he was bringing into the world, then um, we wouldn't be looking at a lot of it's the same way. So I don't know. I'm just, it's just been this kind of aha year, not even just a moment, but a year of yeah. really watching everything just come together, come together yeah. and have a reason that I was, I was put here. I love it. it. It is. It's so crazy when you have those like full circle moments, you know, and, oh and I mean, I've had those too, where it's like, my dad, for example, will tell me something. He's like, oh, you're so going to do this in your business. And I'm like, no, I'm not. That's never going to happen. And two years later or something, I'm like doing that thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You were right. Well, whatever. But, <laughs> but that's okay. But that's a good thing about parenting. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> I it because, and that's, it's funny. I actually, I think that's really a great moment because a lot of kids, you grow up and you're like, you love your parents and you love the knowledge that they share with you, but you're like, I can figure it out myself. I got it. I yep. got it. But you have to think about it from the parents' side. They're like, I've been through this and I know what you're going to face. I, I know yep. what you're going to see. Like it, it really isn't different. We're just at a much, things are just happening at a much higher pace. Exactly. Pace, bigger pace. I mean, it's, you guys grew up with a phone in your hand. I had to learn how to use one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> my phone attached to a wall. <laughs> Very yep. different. Yep. I do remember that though. That was my childhood. And then teenage years is when yeah. it was like, oh, here's, here's technology. Enjoy it. Yeah. And you guys are so <laughs> lucky, but you're so lucky. So that educate that healthcare program I went through was for ultrasound. And while it's pretty cool and high tech for me, it was like, what? You yep. guys grew up playing video games. So it was super easy for the 20 somethings who were in the course with me. The rest of us were like, how do you hold this thing? It's <laughs> like a joystick. Like, how do you do this? Um, it wasn't as easy. Um, so there's, there's some advantages. Um, but yeah, I, I tell you, um, your parents don't mean anything harmful when they tell you stuff like that. It's truly they're, they're looking out because they've seen themselves go through a similar path or they chose not to go down that path and they know you're going to be looking at it and they're like 
go, go, go. You can do it. You can do it. Right. I should have done it. So you go, you do it. Exactly. Yeah. It's totally true. So I'd love to hear from you. How did confidence play a factor in all of these pivots and changes? And especially in what you're doing now, like, you know, how did it play into that? Like, and how did you build confidence? Were you always naturally confident or is it something that you really had to kind of build upon along the way? And what's your advice to our listeners for who maybe are in that place where they're pivoting or transitioning or they've started a new business or whatever, and they're not feeling confident in it? First of all, you are not alone. Um, so first of all, nobody like beat yourselves up because you're feeling that you're lacking confidence in trying something new. It's like momentum. Okay. You don't, you don't want to do something until you start to see the results. And then you're like, Oh, I like this. I can do this. It all works the same way. You have to get into action to see results. So if you want to feel motivated, you have to create the motivation. So I'll go backwards. Confidence was something, I think there's two worlds. I think you're sometimes innately born with a gene in you, which is a resilience gene. Um, I have gone through so much loss and from, from childhood, my parents got divorced when I was two and a half. Like I've been looking at the world in a certain way where I always fell down, picked myself up, dusted myself off and went up again. I, I just resilience. That is for me, the thing that's been in my life forever. Um, even when I was told no, I always took no, like as a challenge to work harder be better at something. I, I, I don't tell me no. <laughs> I, was, I was always a boss. It sounds crazy, but I started working at 14, 13, 14. And I always remember telling my managers that I had better ideas. I could do it better. And I started managing retail stores when I was in high school. So I've always been a boss. <laughs> I just <laughs> was never a great employee. So for that, that's a confidence thing. But then at the same time, I can get shot down. Listen, um, I'm human. You know, you can, people can say negative things. People can be rude and it can make you have a little self-reflection. And you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? Usually nothing. It's usually the other person who's got an issue and they're just taking it out on you. So know that particularly bullying. Like I'm really, I love when I get a lot of young kids who come to me on Instagram and they're how do I deal with bullying? How do I deal with um, being made fun of? But maybe because they've got acne issues or just, you know, gawky teenagers, like, oh, please, we all went through them. Um, I, I, I love to help them just like undercut the bully, which is turn around and ask that bully how they're doing. Because they're hurting. They're taking stuff out on you because they're hurting. Sorry, I digress. But this thing about confidence is this ability to believe in yourself. I don't care how many times people told you no. I don't care how many times you were told you couldn't do something, that you wouldn't be good enough. I don't care what your parents, grandparents, community told you as a child. If you want something bad enough, you need to figure out how to do it. So when I was in direct, starting the direct sales business and I was helping team members get going, to me, these women were like superstars. Like they were attorneys and physicians and they had like big careers, um, in the real life. And then they wanted to start something on the side a plan B and they would break down. They would just lose all ability, kind of like a deer in the headlights 
when someone said no to them. I'm like, you're an attorney. You hear no all day long. What are you talking about? Like, how is this affecting you so badly? But I did a little research. <laughs> I beta tested and I figured out this underlying theme with everyone stopping their dream was lack of confidence. So that's what the confidence crown came from. And it was really this, a need to reassess like why, what's stopping you? So when I'm working with someone one-on-one -on -one or even with a team member, I'm going to ask the dirty nitty gritty questions. I got to know, when did you stop believing in yourself? What happened? And when I work with like college age kids, it's amazing to me. Some of them have been dealing with this since elementary school. So we all get at a different age. There's somewhere along the line where somebody you loved and believed in told you you weren't good enough. So I always want to address that first because we can get over that hump. You can start practicing all the other things you need to flourish. I love that. I love what you said too about, you know, if you want something bad enough that you just have to go for it. Cause I always literally always say that if you want something bad enough, no excuse is going to be good enough for you not yeah. to go after it. And I really believe that. I believe that if something was really meant for you, if you've got it on your heart, if you feel that passionately and that strongly about it, then there's no excuse in the world, even lack of confidence, that's going to stop you from at least trying it and pursuing it. Like what's but, the harm in trying? Nobody exactly. knows how to do anything of these things when they start. We're, we exactly. all have to start from one. Everyone starts at the same level playing field, right? We all start at zero. So we all have the opportunity to grow as fast as we want. You start a business, everyone starts the first step. Just because some people move faster, it's only because they have blinders on and they're not letting the outside lanes distract them. Yeah. Put your head down and do the work. Just do it. Like, honestly, yeah. if you want it bad enough, turn off Netflix and go do something because yep. nothing's going to change if nothing changes. You can sit and complain and whine about nothing working out for you, or you can take that and take that power and propel you to go forward. And I love that. It's a very Tony thing, I know, but that's, it's so <laughs> true. No, it is because he says it in a different way, but it's, it's, right. it's like not letting negative things, you know, stop. If nothing's happening to you or for you or at you, you know, th these are opportunities. Right. You need to look at all of these negativity, all these, all these issues, even what we're going through right now. If we don't look at these as opportunities to do better, to be better, to help more people, then we haven't learned the lesson as to why we are all going through this horrible, horrible pandemic. I mean, this isn't just happening to one person. You're not being singled out. This exactly. is all of us needing to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, that you said, you know, everybody will get this kind of at a different age. And like, it's, mm -hmm. it's just different for everybody. Like when these confidence issues come kind of come into play. And I think that's really true. Like there are some people who are really confident kids. And then, and that was very much me. I was super extroverted. I was really confident. Like I would argue with a brick wall. I was, I had a ton of friends. I knew everybody, everybody knew me like that whole kind of thing growing up. And then it's funny now because like my mom will talk about, and we've had this conversation for several years now and she's kind of quit saying it, but she would talk about how outgoing I was or how extroverted I was or how I could just talk to anybody. And I was a social butterfly. And I'm like, that's so not me at all. Because as I got older and got into college and got into business and all of those things, I got 
less confident and less, uh, well, more nervous, just more nervous about social situations and all of that. And it's funny earlier, you said you're great with one-on-one, but you don't, you wouldn't have wanted to have been thrown on stage because Mm -mm. you'd rather be behind the scenes. And I am the polar opposite. You Mm. can put me on a stage in front of thousands of people and I am good, but you put me in a one-on-one situation like this. And I'm, I'm like terrified, you know, until I get to know the person. Mm. And so it's funny, like, it's just interesting to see how you transition throughout your life and how it affects everybody so differently. But at some point, this is something that, you know, you said you're not alone and it's true because this is something we really, truly all go through. Every single person in their life faces a confidence issue at some point. Absolutely. And I think what happens to women in particular, um, I think in school, we're told we're not good at math and science. It's just kind of an underlying, not always spoken out loud, but just the the pressure will be put on, right, on, on the guys to do better at that you're kind of off the hook if you're a girl, which is ridiculous. Um, like just that's horrifying. Just it's crazy. That part. Then maybe it's if you played sports in school and you weren't picked on the, you know, the A team, right? The first, the first round, if you were not first string, right? If you were like second string or, or benched, like that could have had a horrible effect on you. Um, in social situations, nothing worse than a bunch of mean girls, right? And yeah. nothing worse than feeling left out. Um, so all of these things, like these little layers, they add up and at some point they're going to truly affect your own self-belief. It's the person who, again, takes that negativity and says, I'm going to show them, I'm going to show them, I can do this. I've got this. That's the person who's going to succeed because let's go back to those mean girls. They're bullies. They've got their own problems. They're a bunch of insecure girls. You know, they're just, they're just peacocking around because that's how they're treated by somebody that's important to them. Yeah. So it's a trickle down effect, guys. We just have to, we have to, again, figure out what's holding us back as individuals, not worry about anybody else, just ourselves, and then start creating some ways to improve. And, you know, Dean loves to not, he likes to sidestep the negative. Like if something I wasn't good at, I don't want to focus on it. I want to focus on what I'm good at and I want to be better at it. I think that's great too, because that will also help you increase your confidence. If you see success in any manner, you're going to become more confident. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to focus too, because if you, I mean, that's the problem I think is everybody wants to focus so much on the things that they're not good at. And to me, I get that to a degree. Like if you're focusing on it in a manner that's like, okay, well, I'm determined to get better at this. Yes. Yes. But not if it's in a way that's like, you're focusing on it, like, oh, I'm not good enough or, you know, I, I'm not as good as them. And that's why I have a love hate relationship with social media because I'm like, I'm so sick of the comparison. I did comparisonitis. Yes. A weird word that goes on because you, we do that. We see other people in their business or on Instagram or whatever. And we're like, Oh, they came out of nowhere or they're killing it. Or they have all these sales or all these followers or all these customers, or they're doing such big things. And here I am. I started at the same time at the same level in the same place. And I'm not there yet. And you know, I, I, I think that's where you've really got to focus in on, okay, what skills do I have 
that I'm amazing at that maybe that person doesn't have. And how can I implement those into my business, into my life, into my marketing, into my whatever to make myself better, push myself farther. And just, you know, like I said, if you're going to focus on the things you're not good at because you want to get better at them, that's great. I think that's, that's how you grow as a person and that's how you gain new skills. But if you're focusing on it in a manner that's like, oh, well, I'm just not good enough and I'm never going to be good enough, then you're wasting your time. Yeah, for sure. Stop the comparison game. Um, what you should do instead of the comparison game is one thing. Have you niched down? Have you figured out who your ideal client is? Because you can have a hundred followers, you can have a thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers. But between that hundred and a thousand, you can grow a business. You you Absolutely. just want to find those thousand that get what you're doing. They get your message that understand you. So stop looking at the giant numbers as being an immediate success because it's not. Um, if you aren't speaking to your ideal client, you're still going to be stumbling. So numbers are numbers. Just again, ignore. Yeah. The other thing is don't, um, what you said about taking that, again, that energy, something you're not good at and actually trying to be better at it. That's yeah. just for your own resolve because exactly. I mean, I, like I said, hated public speaking. I had to figure it out and I slowly got better at it, but it wasn't until I was pushed out in front of 4,000 people to talk to that I got over that massive fear of it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it like I used to. And I don't have the same reaction where the flop sweat <laughs> and the tears come. It's just now it's like excitement and you just have to be prepared. So, you know, a lot of what we're scared of is really a lack of preparedness. If you know what your products are about, if you know what your service is about, if you can speak intelligently about what you're doing, you're going to go far. And if you are actually serving others. So that, that's also like a little thing that needs to be, you don't want to just sell. You don't want to just make noise. Right. It's that ability to serve, to really help somebody else do better that's when you're going to make those loyal fans. And that's when you're going to make and see your business change for sure. Exactly. I mean, the most successful people that we all follow and look up to and learn from are the people who they care more about the person they're selling to than what they're selling. Yeah. They know that they've got the skills and the expertise and the knowledge and the, you know, experiences to back up the value that they're bringing but they want to make sure that the person on the other end of the line is, is getting that value to benefit them, not just to put more money in their pocket. And okay. I think that's the most successful business owners have figured that out. Yeah. Hence the word you hear over and over in social media, which is be authentic. Exactly. You know, really, really just be honest. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be somebody you're not just share. You, you will find other people who are going through the same things you are. Again, that's where your ideal client, where that sweet spot is, but you got to be you. You can't try to be somebody else. Again, I see this with new business owners. You know, they're so, uh, you know, worried about what other people are going to think. Stop. You already have friends and family and people who know you and like you. If you're not continuing to project who you really are, they're going to call you out on it. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be you. It's okay. Just you is you. great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and that's a good point too. I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about like, why do you care what everybody else thinks and stop listening to other people's opinions and all that. And so we won't get too much into that, but I mean, it's, it's a good point that like, you know, you said earlier, if you don't feel confident and you don't like you and you're not proud of yourself and you're not in it, you know, then why, why would anybody else be like, you know, like it's just that age old thing. Like you kind of have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. You know, that thing, it's the same thing Mm -hmm. with selling. It's the same thing with business. It's the same thing with trying to get followers on Instagram. Like if you don't seem like you like you, why are you going to expect anybody else to like you? So like, if you want customers and followers and fans and, you know, those loyal people who will buy what you're selling, then it's not like you've got to be the most confident person in the room or anything like that, but you've got to be confident enough to say, look, I know the value that I provide. I know the worth that's in this and that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm telling you about it. That's why I'm selling it to you because I know how it can change your life or change your business. 100, like for sure. Like it's, it's, and that's when you will start to flourish, you know, but again, it's, let's start with overcoming whatever obstacle you have for yourself. Get get over it. (laughs) Let's move on and then start putting into practice and into place the things that are going to help move you forward. And so it can be from setting up a great morning routine. It can be creating a plan for your day, having three main, you know, objections for the day that you want to overcome or people you want to speak to. Like you have to give yourself goals every day and it doesn't have to be monetary goals. It's, it's accomplishing something. So if you can check off all those boxes that you've created for each day, guess what's going to happen? You're going to feel a lot better about yourself because you've made steps forward in your business. So again, stop looking at the big win and just look at the progress you're making each day. Your confidence will build when it sees that you are creating momentum. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard one of my mentors said, I heard this like years ago, they were like, business is very much like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of those like 2000 piece jigsaw puzzles and every puzzle piece is a win. And you, you can't just have the big win. You can't have the puzzle be done. You can't snap your fingers and make it happen. You have to build all those little small wins and put all the pieces together to get the puzzle done and to be successful. And I love that. That really stuck with me because I was like, you know, it's very true. We're all focused on this, this big win, this huge goal that we want, but the confidence that you need to build and the customers that you need to find and the value that you need to provide, the skills that you need to learn, the small wins that you need to have, they are all built on you putting in the years and the time and the grit and the work to make that happen. You can't just snap your fingers and get that big win overnight. No, it's consistency. I mean, really all of this, you know, goes down to being consistent each and every day and making that step forward. And it doesn't matter how big the step is. Mm -hmm. Again, a, a lot of people come, you know, I just, I don't, I'm just not motivated. I don't feel like it. Nobody feels like it. Like you work is work. (laughs) Work is not Netflix and chill. Work is work. There's a reason it's called work, regardless if you love what you do or not. (laughs) I hope you love what you do because it makes it easier to put in the time and the energy and the effort. But 
it's called work for a reason. Like it's, it's not like, I I think it's really funny. Like, I don't feel motivated. I don't, I don't want to, you know, that's, it seems so hard and yeah, it is. And it's harder the longer you take from starting, just start, just take the first step. Just yeah. I mean, even if, if you absolutely freaking love what you do, like I, I adore what I do. I would not change it for anything. I love the work I get to do. I love all the facets of my business, but there's always going to be parts of it that aren't as fun as others or they are harder. They do take a little more work, especially when you're still in those building stages, when you, when you haven't hit the big dream yet and you're still building on that, of course, it's going to be more work because you have to prove that you want it. You have to work hard enough to get it. Like there's other people out there going after the same thing you're going after and you've got to outlast them. Of course, that's going to be hard. In what world was that ever going to be easy? But just think (laughs) all those things, those things you don't love about your business, the things that you can delegate to somebody else will then move a little faster so you can afford to pay somebody to do the parts you don't want to do. Exactly. Just keep going. But yeah, it's, it's just always funny to me. Um, I don't feel like it. Well, I don't know anybody who does like, you know, (laughs) like I love what I do, but like you said, there are elements where you're just like, Oh, can somebody else do that for me? Of course. But, but again, everything works together. You got to, you got to do the uncomfortable part to get comfortable too. So I don't know, stop saying no and just give it a try. Yeah. There you go. I think that's a good note to end on too. (laughs) Stop saying no, just try it. You'll build confidence on the way. (laughs) Be happy with yourself and who you are. I love absolutely. It. Thank you. Ah, I love this. I love you. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so since it's the end of the episode, I do want to dive into a fun little lightning round. All right. Find out some more about you. So first and foremost, what does your morning routine look like? Mm-hmm. Very good. So I'm a stickler to this and I think it's something I practice that I preach on this one. So, um, no phone. <laughs> the phone, the phone, yeah, the phone is an alarm clock. Yes, sometimes I don't, I don't need an alarm clock anymore, but it's set that way. But it's across the room or it's in the bathroom. Smart. And the phone doesn't get my acknowledgement until an hour after I've started my day. Oh so, my gosh, you're incredible. <laughs> that took practice, but I bet. the quickest way to ruin your day is to let something derail you and the phone can derail you. So that first hour of the day is mine. It's mine. I do some voice practicing because I have to work on my, my voice is not strong in the morning. So I do um, like exercises for my voice. I do a little meditation. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes I have just ideas about things that I want to do. So I'm writing them down and then um, moving 30 minutes some type of movement, stretching, yoga, walking, just get moving. And then um, the thing I've always said, which is those three objections for the day, what are those three things you want to tackle for your day? Write them down so that you have your plan in a sense for the day. Then, (laughs) then I can look at my phone and maybe just get some ideas of what's happening highlights, but I try not to I try not to even look at emails unless I'm expecting one. I try not to look at emails. Um, I really try to, again, that first hour is mine. And then the second hour, I try to be productive with tackling maybe a couple of those 
um, objections. And then, and I'll sit down because email is busy work and it can derail you easily, right? Someone's got a request, someone wants you to do something that you were unaware of and you have a timeline for the day and they want it done then. It's like, oh, so just keep as much of that precious time in the morning to yourself. I love that. I'm not a morning person. So my routine does not look like that at all, but <laughs> I love it. And I'm very happy for you that you have figured this out because I roll over after. Oh, do not tell me you hit the snooze. I no do. Snooze. I totally. No. Well, no, that's not true. I don't now because yeah. I bought the world's loudest alarm clock in the entire world and I put it on the other end of the room. <laughs> and so now I don't hit snooze because. For me, when I get up, I'm up. Right. But the problem was I would always have my phone like on my nightstand right beside my head and I could hit snooze so easily. And so I bought this alarm clock. It's called like the Sonic Boom. <laughs> it, that's exactly what it sounds like. It's awful. Like my dog gets very Aww. visibly upset when Aww. this thing goes off because it's so loud. And so of course it wakes me up and then I'm up and I'm like, okay, well now I'm up. I'm good. But until I bought that thing, which was not that long ago. Um, yeah, it did not happen for me. I am not a morning person. I do not like it at all. <laughs> uh, okay. So just about the snooze thing, cause this is huge. If you're a person who hits the snooze alarm, you're actually doing more damage to your self, body, mind, health, yep. everything. than if you just get up and feel a little groggy. So because it takes 90 minutes for your body and brain to actually wake up. Yep. So if you keep hitting snooze, your, your brain is so confused. Are we sleeping? Are we waking? Are we sleeping? Are we awake? So that grogginess will ruin the whole day. So better to just, if you can wake up naturally, like where, you know, set yourself up. So if you're going to bed earlier so that your body will wake up when it wants to, when it needs to. Right. And cause sleep is key. Um, yeah, I mean, you can Google that snoozing is the worst thing you can do for yourself. I've always heard it's really bad. I didn't know about the 90 minutes part, oh. but I've always heard it's so bad for you, but I, I literally could not help it. That's okay. Night owl. All right. Next question. What is the last book that you read? Oh, such a good question. And I'm embarrassed. Book, book. Oh, oh, Dean Graziosi's underdog. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I love that one so yes, much. Me too. Me too. Very relatable. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I love anything he puts out. So it's obvious, but <laughs> I love that one too. Very much. I get new books all the time and you're good. Half the time I get new books and my husband's like, you're not even done with <laughs> the other book yet. And I'm like, I know, but now I have this one ready to go. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I just, I literally like just recently finished your book. Oh, good. So that was cool. I was like, oh, I finished her book before our interview. That's oh, awesome. that's perfect. And again, the, the morning routine is in there because it's written like a workbook. Yeah. It really gives you a chance to practice things so that you I know I liked that. Oh, good. And so you can feel better. The whole idea is to feel better when you finish the book. <laughs> like, oh, look, I am good at X, Y, and Z. And you can always go back and start the book over, over, you know, to keep doing it until you feel better. And that's it. Yeah. I like, I like it too. Cause it was like, it was motivational, but it was like an easy read, you know, yeah. like because of the work sheet st stuff in it, it was like really simple to actually like implement what you were talking about. So I like that, Good. Um, which will link for those of you listening, we'll link that in the show notes too. So you can go grab a copy, but <laughs> 
All right. What is one thing that you recommend to everybody? So this can be like a product you love, service you use, um, just some kind of item you can't live without, whatever you want, but something you feel like everybody has to have. Holy moly. One thing? Haley. Yep, just one. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to go with find a mentor. Ooh, I love that. That's a good one. That was hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one though. I like that a lot because I've got so many mentors in my business that I'm like, I could not have gotten here nope. without their knowledge. No so, success without them. So find yeah, a mentor. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. All right. Last question for you. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Oh, that's a good one too. And I'm sure it's something from my mom. Um, you know, actually maybe just leave my grandmother. Find the thing you love and the money will come. That's a really an Oprah thing, but I swear it was my grandmother first. Um, she was I've had, I've had so many things like that where my mom's like, I don't know why you think you heard that from this person. I've been telling you that your entire life. <laughs> totally. And that's very typical too. Like I will have, I would like say something to my friends and like, and they're like, Oh, I heard it on from this show or that thing. I'm like, I've been saying that to you for years. What are yeah. you talking? It's okay. That's just third party, third party <laughs> validation. And it's the best you can get, but yeah, find what you love to do and the money will come. So stop yeah. worrying about how much something costs to get started. Stop worrying about how much something's going to earn. If you love it, invest in it and do the work. I love that. Very good advice. Love it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. So your website, the podcast, social, Oh my God. Right now. I've made it really easy. It's just the confidence crown <laughs> everywhere. There the confidence go. crown for the website, the confidence crown for the podcast, the confidence crown for Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, I would love to find you and meet you on Instagram. That is definitely my hangout. She really does. You guys, we talk on Instagram. All <laughs> we time. Do, we do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we will link everything in the show notes. If you guys are listening, go grab a copy of Lisa's book, follow her on Insta, look up her podcast, look up my interview on her podcast. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a little biased, but I think it's the best one. Uh, For sure. <laughs> check her out because in case you haven't noticed, I love Lisa. I think she's amazing. So go buy all her stuff. Oh, um, but Lisa, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm so glad I finally got to have you on here and I'm just excited for all of our listeners to get to know you a little bit and get to hear all of your amazing tips on really building confidence. Oh, you're so sweet. Haley, I love you. And this was so much fun. And thank you so much. You're such, you're so generous with your time and you honestly are one of those heart centered people that makes this world better. So Anytime I can hang out with you, it's a good time. Well, ladies, that's it for this time. But don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab special bonus content from our guests. I'd love if you could show your support for the show. So if you have just a minute, leave a five-star review about how much you love this podcast. Then head over to femalesonfirepodcast.com and grab your Females on Fire apparel. Get a t-shirt, hat, and more because it all goes to fund the podcast. And don't forget to show off your new swag to all your friends on social media and tag me at Females on Fire and at Haley Luckadoo. I'll be back next week 
with another great show for you. But until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.